Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, Some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge when you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees look at assaultlimited.com also sponsoring today's podcast is urban savage urbnsvg.com the best quality apparel available american made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com proceed with caution all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. Well, here we go. We are on uh, episode 79 of the Squared Away Podcast. 79. Why don't you just break us into this one, man? All right. <clears throat> Any current events you want to choke along oh here? God, no. I just don't even know what to say. I know that you don't fuck with a Biden. I know that. <laughs> I saw that. I clearly heard that that's not <laughs> something that you would that one would do. Oh, I mean, okay, we talk about Trump having an ego. Come on. I, I actually saw a great CNN interview this week. I don't even know who it was with. I just listened to the interview while I was driving, and it was like everyone, you know, basically all Biden needed to do was not be Trump. Just right. you had 50 50, uh, you know, basically a 50 50 split on everything during the voting. People just wanted somebody other than Trump. Biden just needed to not be Trump. And they've gotten like an angry, divisive, grumpy old man that can't barely put together a sentence. And that's not what they were looking for. 
And I was like, oh, that's that's a pretty good point. Like the way that the the way that the election went, it really was just like really, really split. The country yeah. is very divided 50 50, you know, we're close, right? Yeah. Well, but, that's not how he handled it. Yeah, but he's, you know, he's a <laughs> politician through and through. And, you know, when he went down to Florida and stood side by side with DeSantis, all he had to do was it was do the the George Bush, you know, junior thing. And at 9-11, just, you know, say something inspirational and walk out of there. But he's such a canned-ass politician that all of a sudden he has to throw climate change in there. And every little snippet of him, he was, he's always got to dump some type of narrative into his, you know, his speech. And it's just it just shows that he's so fake. And we talked about this in the last podcast with that uh, what was unsettled that unsettled book that Stephen Coonan, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, there is no evidence that the, that weather is becoming more drastic or anything like that because oh, yeah. of climate change. Um, well, his advisor even said, you know, that there's no connection between climate change and, and what had happened. So it's like, <clears throat> you know, it was a cat four cat five. It sucked. But, you know, the way I see Florida's responses, I mean, they're really balls in and, you know, going to make a change and clean things up. So can you imagine the fucking slime balls that come out of the woodwork down in the when that happens? You know, the oh, yeah. the yeah. contractors and the roofers and the all, you know, the cleanup crews yeah. and all the different shit. People just literally trying to just make money. Yeah. And I get it because it's this big business down there, you know, and you're going to have. 90% of people that, that are good people that really are trying to help. And then 10% of people that are just slime balls. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, with, with the uh, tourist market down there, I mean, I don't think they're going to have a problem recovering. Just <clears throat> going through a time of suck right now. And that's just the way it is. But yeah, I was, I was pretty sad. We were, we like the North Captiva and the, you know, not Sanibel, but it's North of Sanibel. Yeah. All of that's just wiped. Yeah. You know, I was looking at uh that whole coast side of the spring so i don't know i mean how fast they get it back up and rolling never know yeah and does it ever you know or is it like the gulf coast where it literally takes 10 years before people start traveling back there again yeah you i know? don't think it'll be i mean granted i mean what he's planning you know they're already rebuilding and functioning the causeway by sanibel so i guess you don't never know anything but, else in in uh current events other than don't fuck with biden yeah, right? Like, that's the only thing that I can think of from the week. Don't fuck with Biden. I don't know, man. That guy is such an arrogant ass. But Nothing yeah, new know. from Russia and Ukraine right now, other than we're still sending more money, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why I saw the meme uh, this week is, you know, send Florida aid. And the only way to do it was to fly Ukraine flags down in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> You're guaranteed to get, you know, billions of dollars in. So, Man, I just can't. I... Right. Like I get it. They're a, they're a, an independent nation that's fighting for their independence from a superpower. So I understand yeah. like everybody supporting them, but they're also like super fucking corrupt. Yeah, they are. And it's, so it's like how much of that money is right. It's like sending money to a charity where, you know, 25 cents is actually of every dollar is actually going to the charity and the other 75 cents is going to the management. Oh, kind of like BLM, except uh, I think a 0% went to anything that was positive well that's an interesting one too right we've gotten into this many times but now the actual independent charters are suing the parent organization because they figured out that it, that <laughs> while they wanted to do something and they wanted change yeah. in the independent in the independent um i guess charters right that was like that's what they yeah. would call them the parent organization was literally just a fucking fundraising scheme for the 
for the left. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't figure that out. The- I mean, if, if you want to donate something, I literally went on the site to see, okay, well, if I wanted to donate something, it redirected directly to Act Blue. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It's just one of those things where you, it's really hard to convince somebody when they're emotionally tied to it not being that, right? Like, they know that they're, that they're local people, their local charter, like they wanted, they want change and they're trying to help. And so they don't, it's really hard for them to not necessarily admit, but even see that there's a separation between that and then the national BLM group or whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah. And then you've got hundreds of people that are just selling BLM shit on Amazon that are literally just pocketing the money, you know, like, (laughs) know. Oh my gosh. No good crisis goes to waste. Exactly. You said it last week. Exactly. So speaking of crisis, we're entering some time of crisis right now. Some interesting times. So, yeah, we talked about, uh, you know, lawlessness and and what's going on now. Um, But ultimately, the way we have been talking in the last 79 episodes, the majority of them is, okay, how do we get squared away? You know, how do we survive in these times? And um, I mean, you've noticed in the last decade and more is the rise in active shooters, um, drivers driving through crowds, you know, bombers, you know, making IEDs on domestic, you know, territory, Uh, cyber threats. You got natural disasters like Ian just happened. Um, There's medical events, you know, like COVID and if you really look at at the numbers, look at the data. So the murder rate right now is it was worse than it's ever been. So six out of every hundred thousand people, this is what the murder rate is sitting at right now, and it's rising. So this was like a few months ago. So aggravated assaults, that's four out of every thousand people. And that number is rising steadily. And so basically it comes down to violent crimes affecting over two million Americans. And it's hitting record rates. I know it's skyrocketing and it's the reason it's happening is states and cities, you know, we can identify them with whatever color you want, but it's basically having loose crime policies, not enforcing anything. Um, just like uh, what's happening, going to be happening in Illinois, which we should probably dig that up just so we can, you know, share with the Yeah, I, I got it here. And it's an, and it's an interesting thing because like everything, the truth is buried. Right. And so the, the, you know, the big, the big social media post was like, you know, basically the world is ending. All of these offenses are going to be non-attainable. And, uh, it's a little bit less than that. It's a little bit different. It's called the Illinois safety act. And what this act does is it eliminates cash bail in Illinois for all of these specific offenses. Um, so basically money will no longer be on the line for these people. They can't get, if, if they're going to be detained, they're going to be detained. If the, if the judge decides that they should be because they're, you know, basically a, a, a risk to society, then they're going to be detained. They don't, there is no cash bail anymore. Um, and, but what it does do is it makes it so that all of these offenses are the prosecutor has to ask the judge to detain the criminal because they're a public safety threat and the judge gets to make the decision about whether these people are going to be detained um, prior to their trial. And while that sounds like a 
less of a problem. It is, I guess, less of a problem than these being non-detainable offenses, right? Like that if right. it was just if there was just no way to detain these people, that would be super scary. But this still leaves like some pretty big loopholes. I mean, especially because if you start to think about the type of people in charge of that decision, what type of people do you have in those judge roles right. in these extremely crime-ridden areas? I mean, we know here that in Waukesha, the guy that drove through the parade and killed all those people, he was he was let out on, you know, on bail, basically, I think. Yeah. Um, why was he let out? You know, because clearly he was he was a danger to society. I mean, he tried running over his baby's mama in the fucking grocery store parking lot. Yeah. So it's not like you could say, oh, he's a really a, a super, you know, gentle, non, you know, non-damaging individual. So like, why was he let out? Well, then we start to get into this weird kind of, you know, put your tinfoil hat on, get it, get it out of the, get your tinfoil hat out of your backpack. (laughs) And it seems as though some of the powers that be that have a big financial backing are trying to put these types of people into these positions. They're supporting them for judge positions and supporting them for elected positions and and why you know is it is it because they really truly feel like you know we over prosecute in this country or is it because they have a vested interest in seeing us kind of decay from the inside oh are you gonna mention soros name or not (laughs) i wasn't gonna mention soros or is that tinfoil hat get too shiny then (laughs) I was not going to mention any names. You're tiptoeing on that one. I was tiptoeing a little bit. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, judges and DAs, I mean, that's, that's huge. They make the decision. So, and that's what, you know, if you start to think like you're an operations guy, right? And people that are in operations will understand this. But when you start to think about putting a chink in one slight but very important part of an operation, you can fuck everything up. Oh, yeah. So, like, if you think about, all right, well, we already have cops that don't want, you know, nobody wants to be a cop, right? Yeah. So, we have a little bit less of an individual that's becoming a cop. Not that there's not still great people that want to be cops. This is not what I'm saying. I'm saying overall, as a general population of police officers, you're going to get a little bit less of the caliber of individual. And they're dropping standards. Yep. So... So you're going to get a little bit less of the individual. So let's say, you know, a super ridiculous number, but let's say you have what what used to be a, a perfect, you know, nine for the job on average. You might have a seven for that job, whether it be their mental clarity, their interest, their ability, their morals, their physical standards, all these different things. Right. So then <clears throat> they're going to catch less crime. They're going to they're going to make more mistakes. They're going to have more problems. Right. But then from there, where does it go? Well, then it goes to a DA and a prosecutor and a judge. Well, we start to fuck that up, right? We start to get extremely liberal DAs and judges. Then all of a sudden, we're letting a bunch of people back out into the streets that were not rehabilitated, which that's a whole nother podcast, right? Like we we don't necessarily rehabilitate individuals for doing crimes. We basically just pull them off the street try to, you know, keep them in a, in a box until they've learned their own lesson, but we don't really concentrate on any sort of like rehabilitation. No. 
And I don't know what the answer to that is. That's that's would need a lot more yeah. in-depth research to be able to even speak to that. Yeah, I mean, I got friends that work in programs with for the long-term incarcerated folks, like in the correctional institutions. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, it, it works for them because it's a long-term program. You're talking months to years within a program, and they turn these guys around. But, you know, for what you're talking about, you drop them into a county jail. Boom, they're out within, what, a few days, and, you know, nothing's changed. And then they have things on their record that's going to make it harder for them to actually become a functioning member of society. Yeah. And so they just got to turn right back to what they're doing. And that's it, you know. So, yeah, there's got to be a better way. Definitely. Just it's 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 if you didn't think that it was planned to be like this, it would be one of those where you're like, hmm, wonder why we're going down this dark, deep hole. Oh, well, you know what they say about the conspiracy theories. There's some truth there, in all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody had a meme uh, yesterday that listed out all the conspiracy theories that went true. And then the uh, the next round of uh, conspiracy theories that are probably going to come true. Right. And that was like our podcast last week. Like there's definitely something dark. There's something going on. Yeah. I mean, we are literally in the most violent times in our country's history. And nothing's being done. So. So what do we do, man? So awareness is our best weapon. You know, we've talked about, you know, awareness before. I don't know how deep we've really got into it, but, you know, one is knowing your surroundings, but also understanding the climate, which we kind of briefly touched on last week is, you know, why, why do we get political? Because you have to understand what's happening on a global level, national level, local level, and how that's going to affect you, how it's going to affect your family. Um, but first it starts with us. It's, it talks about self-awareness. There's a really good, uh, um, psychologist, uh, Dr. Tasha Yurik. So she's an organizational psychologist. She does a lot of, uh, she's done a Ted talk. She's a pretty sought after speaker. So she did a, a pretty thorough study. It's if you ever get into like her tests, they're pretty interesting. Um, she did a study of, okay, how many people really think they're self-aware? So she took a pretty large sample did like a two layer test and found out that, you know, 90% of people think they are self-aware. Right. And then when you die, you know, delve a little bit into it, actually only about 10% of those are really self-aware. So it, what it's saying is there's some, there's a group of people that, you know what, they're not even self-aware and they don't care. And there's a group that thinks that they're self-aware. It's kind of like, um, I know a lot of people that do this is have a complete shitty ass diet. And all of a sudden, they, the, the new drink comes out, right? And all of a sudden, they're walking around with its healthy drink. Or they show up at the, uh, the, the local nutrition smoothie spot and then every day post a, a picture of a fucking smoothie and saying, hey, look, I'm healthy. But they haven't changed any of the, the underlying habits that they've done, right? They're and, literally probably just adding more calories. Yeah. And a lot of these, which, which is probably some good nutrition, but they're adding more calories to an already probably calorie surplus that they're well, in. right. Right. Exactly. Or they, they think it's healthy because a lot of these nutrition spots, I mean, some of these like the shakes, they're not healthy. There's loaded with sugars and additives. It's, it's pretty shitty. You know, one recent example is, uh, you know, cause I, I watch, you know, I pack my son a cold lunch, he goes to school and I'm pretty thoughtful about what I put in. So with my kids, as they grow you know, grew up, you know, let's say this, this exact example was based on Oreo cookies. 
So, you know, Oreo cookies is full of shit. And it's got the whatever that filling is is nasty. Cookies are themselves are just oil saturated and nasty. You can so, talk some shit about Oreos, but you put one in your mouth and it tastes fucking delicious. I'm just saying. Okay. So there's there's an alternative, right? Okay. It's a plant-based alternative. Uh, they don't use hydrogenated oils, sweetened with brown rice syrup, and a little bit of cane sugar. So it's a healthy version. It's better. Mm. It's it's not healthier. As, yeah, healthier, right? So, you know, I'll put that in there. You know, he has, uh, you know, Ezekiel breads, probably grain breads for sandwiches. And, you know, I try to keep it majority very clean, but everything is an alternative uh, item that's in his lunch. Well, his, his teacher, fifth grade teacher, was has the class on this health kick. And Austin tells him the other day, this was literally this week that, oh, well, you can't eat those cookies here because they're unhealthy. And meanwhile, you know, I asked my son, what are they eating? Well, they're eating Doritos, Hot Cheetos, and uh, Twix bars, and Nutrigrain bars, which Nutrigrain bars are the absolute, that's just pure marketing. Those things are loaded with shit. So sugar and shit. So he comes home and tells me this. I send her a message. I'm like, hey, this is what the actual product is. And then we get into a health discussion. And the health discussion that she has is like, well, Yes, I, I try to be healthy and, you know, I buy the smart popcorn and and drink sparkling water. You know, these are the people that they don't really research what being healthy is, but they'll latch on to something because of the marketing or whatever the package. Well, it's smart popcorn. Well, it's smart water. So therefore, I'm healthy. But then when you look at their the product is, guess what? They're not in shape. We've talked about that before. So... This is the the people that think that they're self-aware, but they're really not self-aware. There's introspection, and there's the other way you can go with people that are self-aware or think they are, but not really, is the people that are always asking, and uh, Dr. Yurik explains it well, is these people always have the why. You know, people will introspect and be like, well, why am I overweight? I don't know why we're on this. Yeah, right? Kick. This is, has nothing to do, well. Nothing to do with safety, not, but. It does. Actually, yeah, we'll, we'll hit on that a little we'll later. We'll bring it back. We'll bring exactly. it back real quick. But, you know, people will say, well, why am I overweight or why am I doing this or why can't I balance my budget? Well, those are people that'll take that introspection will take you into depression really quick and you'll feel sorry for yourself and you become the victim and you never get better. You never change that 10 percent of the people that are truly self-aware is like Dr. Eric explains it is understand what the what is. They're not concerned about the whys because the why is looking in the rearview mirror. The what is looking in your windshield. Okay, what am I doing about it? So if I got financial problems, this is what I'm going to do. If I am overweight, this is what I'm going to do. And then they have a plan. They do it. They check it and they act. So so that's what I mean by being self-aware. Um, and that's what we talk about with getting squared away. And the, you know, even the physical side is a very important part by physical. I'm not talking about, you know, self-defense classes. And I think we talked about this before. I'm not a proponent about women just going to a self-defense class, thinking they're going to come out of that class. And all of a sudden some rapist comes out of the woods and they're also just going to be able to act. It's never going to happen unless that person has some other training or is just very, you know, desensitized to trauma. Right. So better options is, 
situational awareness training. Because guess what? Every day we go out in the public, every day we go to a restaurant, to a gas station, walk through a parking lot, even walk outside of your house or how you keep the outside of your house, how secure that is. Um, you know, something that will give you a lot of reps and allow your muscle to form that muscle memory so that when something does happen, your muscle memory just takes over. And that's, that's basically just how it works in the military side too. Your training will take over when the shit hits a fan. So, and then, and we've tried to talk about situational awareness on here, but it's such a hard thing to have a conversation about because it's literally like having a conversation about pushups. Like we can talk about how to do pushups until we're blue in the face, but until you like get down and start doing them, you're not really getting anything from it. And that's kind of the same situation as same situation as situational awareness. But like until you're looking at a dark parking lot at night, and your car is parked in one spot and the only other car in the parking lot is parked right next to yours. And you think, huh, that could be weird, right? Like until you're in those situations or you're encountering those situations or even seeing those situations on slides and talking through them until you're actually in the, in the shit of it and and doing the work and doing the repetitions. Like we can talk about as much as we want, but you're, you're not going to get that much out of it. Yeah, I mean, where would somebody go to find situational awareness training in their area? Um, and that that's tough because uh, you know, I'm doing that like one on one with some people. Yeah, you know, uh, especially fathers that are concerned because they have daughters that are you know that are growing up. Um, it's it's tough. I don't know at this point. I, I can't answer that question. Yeah. Um, but what you're talking about. So let's say I'm trying to put this our so in the separate special operations training, um, there's a term called internalizing training. So and basically it's nothing complicated. You've done it. Everybody's done it. So everybody that has a driver's license has done it. So remember when you first got your uh, attempts and when you're driving and remember the, the mindset that you had when you're driving is what? Anytime you see something, you're hitting the brakes, right? Anytime you get to an intersection, you're starting to stress out and you're running that process through your head of, oh shit, what am I going to do at the intersection? How am I going to take this left turn? What needs to happen before I take that left turn? Or I'm just an idiot and I just pull through the intersection left turn and everybody's honking at me, right? But after years and you get your license, you pass or you don't pass and it takes you three, four times or you just suck at it. But after years and years, you just internalize that training, right? So you and I drive down the road, we don't even think. About what we're looking at. In fact, there's some people that don't even think at all and they're looking at their devices and obviously you get what you get now, but you start internalizing that training because you've just done it so often. We hop in our cars and drive miles and miles every day. We take a million left turns. Some people avoid uh, parallel parking, right? Yeah. But for the most part, that's how it is, is with situational awareness is something that you know, I'm telling this uh, this family right now is, you know what? You don't you don't have to have a class every week for it. You have to make the time to put yourself in those situations so that you can learn slowly. Okay, well, I'm going to run through this process when I'm here. You know what? Go shopping at Walmart at night. You don't have to go to the worst Walmart in town. Just go to a Walmart and walk through a parking lot. Start seeing things. Start teaching your kids how to do uh, the door. You know, the door is have uh, have the kids sit in front of a door, have the adults sit in front of the door and describe to me the door, you know, where the hinges are, what kind of material the, the door is made out of, 
what direction it swings open at, et cetera, et cetera. You know, learn how to walk into a situation, walk into a restaurant and automatically download all this data from what you observe before you sit down. So that's situational awareness. Do you anything you want to add to that? Nope. All right. But the biggest thing is you got to understand the environment. And, you know, you and I were just in, you know, I like your term Chirac. Did you make that up? Um, no, I think I heard it from somebody. I can't take credit for that. Oh, okay. That's a pretty good term. <laughs> think about it. Because the first time you told me, I was like, what are you talking Wait, did about? Did you see that there was literally a shootout, a gang shootout between two gangs? And they let it, they let everyone go and called it mutual combat? Yeah, I saw that. that mutual was combat. Recent. Yeah. Mutual combat is for like, if you and I are going to fist fight and we both want to fight, neither of us are going to get in trouble. Yeah. Not fucking gunfights. Yeah. It's the wild Wild west. Why would you want to have your kids down there? And what about all the stray bullets? I mean, there's so many logistic details that they're just blowing up. But, but you know, let, let's break down the environments here. Well, actually, you know what? I'm sorry. I skipped a one huge portion of this is there are three types of personal awareness. And a lot of this you can get. There's a, a great book that's out right now called Escape the Wolf. Uh, it's written by Clint Emerson, who's a former team guy. You might know him as the, the guy that wrote uh, 100 Deadly Skills, which is a, little, a field manual that I think is a little further advanced than, you know, than regular civilian Right, but I think life. our buddy Marcus Torgerson was in there, right? For his... Uh, uh, in the second, second Using the second one? Okay. Yeah, yep. But Escape the Wolf is, I think, is aligned for this time. Aligned for what's going on out there. And one excerpt out of it is talks about the three different types of uh, personal awareness, which, you know... I would just literally read it out of there. So first one is personal awareness, which we were just talking about. And this is one that, you know, I really stress to people is it's the image and demeanor you project. Okay. So if you're physically out of shape, you are a target, unfortunately. And for those of you out there that, you know what, that you're making excuses about not getting in shape, you know, what, at some point you have to be like, well, I need to do it for my kids. I need to be in shape for the safety and longevity of my kids. And as they grow older for their kids, your grandchild, children, and for your family when you're traveling. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that you should just be in shape. So when you walk by, walk by the mirror and you look at yourself, you're like, I'd fuck me. <laughs> That's the number one reason that you should be in shape. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> don't even fucking look at me like oh. you don't do that. I have not. Come on. You've been in a hotel room and they got the wall mirror and you walk by and then you like kind of catch yourself out of the corner of your eye and you're like, damn, oh. I look good. Oh my gosh. That's the first time ever. <laughs> you just make that up or did you hear it Confidence somebody else? comes from competence, bro. <laughs> okay. I just, I work out. <laughs> I can't recover from that one. It's like, okay. I, I don't want to look like a target. Okay? Oh, that's why. I've never looked at myself and went, no, you're fuckable. Well, <laughs> you should start. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's crazy. I hope you made that up. Nope. So your your demeanor. Yeah, I totally made it up. I've never done that before in my life. <laughs> Ever. Oh. All right. Going back your to demeanor. Your, your demeanor. Image. People your either want to image. fuck you or run away from you. Okay. 
Your demeanor can help you blend into specific cultures, reduce your threat exposure, reduce your visibility to others. Using personal awareness, you have the ability to assess and manage specific character traits that could potentially make you stand out from the culture where you will be traveling. So personal awareness, you gain self-awareness about your physical characteristics and actions. So the book goes into more a full chapter about it. The second one is what we've been talking about is cultural awareness is the assessment and understanding of the culture of a specific geographic location. So let's say if you're going into the big city, this is what you want to do. So it includes things as cultural specific social protocols, etiquette, mannerisms, gestures, which if you're traveling to a different country is probably more, uh, more important, but we'll talk a little bit later about, okay, what to do. in let's say you're traveling to New York or Chicago or Los Angeles. Last one is third party awareness. And that one's a little tougher. It's the general public's perception of you and your actions. So sum it up. I mean, it's when you feel like everyone is staring at you, they probably are. So third party awareness includes groups like citizens, law enforcement, criminals, terrorists, and reducing third party awareness requires you to blend into the environment using personal awareness. So managing your image and demeanor projected within a cultural setting is basically third-party awareness. You and I have this genetic issue with being ghosts. You're really Chinese and I'm really Irish. Like I'm not blending in anywhere in with any brown skin people and you're not <laughs> blending in anywhere else. You're a giant Chinese man. I know. I, that, I suck ass in Chinatown work. too. Yeah. You don't even get to blend in, in Chinatown. <laughs> I go to Hong Kong and uh, yeah. You literally, you literally walk in and they're like, Godzilla! Yeah, <laughs> I go into Chinatown and I can, you know, I understand what they're saying and I understand the banana and Twinkie jokes. So well, tell me the banana and Twinkie jokes. Oh, you don't know what that is? No. Oh, that's old, dude. All right. So, you know, it's Asian people. I'll say Asian people are probably the most racist people. A hundred percent. Yep. And they're racist against their own kind. So if I walk into uh, a restaurant in Chinatown and I'm not talking about San Francisco down the main where all the tourists are. If I go off the beaten path where you get like the really, really good food. And here's a little hint. If you go to a, a off the beaten path Chinese restaurant, go to the bathroom first. And if the bathroom is a complete shit show, stay there and eat. That means <laughs> that means they focus all their energy on making the food good. They don't care about the crapper. So interesting. So that's the eth- they are they're ethnically accurate. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Got it. So if I walk into one of those, I will hear a little murmur about, you know, oh, that guy looks like a banana or, oh, this guy's a, tw- here comes a Twinkie. So what it means is. Oh, you're yellow, yellow on the outside, outside white, white on the, the inside. inside. I get it. Like an Oreo. Yeah. So. But different race. That makes sense. Hairstyle, facial hair, certain tattoos, build the way you carry yourself. That's how the Asians look at each other. So. So, yeah, even in Hong Kong, I do not fit in very well. See, I did not picture a banana with the peel on. I pictured a banana with the peel off, and I'm like, I don't get the banana thing. Oh, And then okay, I put yeah. the peel back on in my head, and I'm like, I get it. Yep. So that's that's the uh, the Asian against Asian stereotype. So, um, so yeah, let's, let's go into environments. Is, let's states and cities. There's, there's three types of uh, environments in a state, city, country. 
right? There's permissive environments, which is what the US utopia would be. I don't even know if there's any permissive environments at all. It just means that government has control and the control is done by the people for the people. So I think the ideal United States would have fit into this. Um, I don't think that there is an existing one anymore. I think it totally depends on where you're at, right? Like small towns, a lot of small towns are still that that way, you know, because the cops still do like over police, right? Which creates that kind of permissive environment because oh. the more the the more the heavy hand of the law is there, and the because you got more, nothing else to do. Yeah, hundred percent, and it, it it is a, it's a byproduct of having nothing else to do. But yeah, you know, like down here, you can have. You know, you could have every window in your car tinted, your front window tinted at 50 percent. Nobody says a word. You go to small town, Wisconsin, and you're going to get pulled over. Yeah. They're going to harass you. Like, I've lived through this before. And they're like, well, why? Yeah. You, you got a warning six months ago. Why did you have it done again? Like, well, because I like it. You can give me a ticket. Like, whatever. Yeah. Madison, but, Madison, Wisconsin, I'll blow through a stale yellow. Turns red. They don't care. Cops yeah. there. Yeah. So it's just it's I think that there probably still is. The resemblance or the assemblance of a permissive environment in small town it's USA. Like the, the Andy Griffith, Barney Fife. Exactly. What was that town called? Mayberry. Oh, Mayberry. I was whistling Andy Griffith this week until the lady looked at me. She's like, you are way too young to know that song. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, yeah, my grandma oh, raised man. me all summer every year. Opie. That's good. I'm a bullet, Andy. <laughs> so basically, uh, we're headed into, or if we're not already, a semi-permissive environment, which is number two. So that's government with questionable control. So there's a little bit of control, but there's chaos and there's crime. And then you get into the non-permissive environment, which basically to me, I automatically think of Somalia or basically all these people, the Somalians that come over, you know, all they know is crime. That's how they make their living because they have to steal. That's why, hence the Somalian pirates, right? So it's got hostile government forces. You're talking uh, Libya also. Uh, little to no real government exists, and it's just chaos, violence. If crime. anything, the government is just a larger crime syndicate. Exactly. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so what what do you do? So when you're traveling, uh, for me, um, having to carry is you got to check the reciprocity rules, and we both found out. I mean, or we already both knew. You don't get that in Illinois, although you probably could have got caught because you didn't realize that prior. I mean, I knew it, but I didn't know the to the extent. This was years ago, though. Okay. Um, yeah, now it's a $3,500 to $5,000 fine. Well, and, and incarceration. I, I, yeah, my thought was like, there's no concealed carry reciprocity, but I could still have it in, you know, in its case with me. That's not the case in Chicago. No. But if you're having like a mutual shootout or whatever. Yeah. You're okay. Yeah. 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 You're good. But if you're carrying, they're going to incarcerate you. I'm I'm not okay in a mutual shootout. I'd be the first one. That's the problem with being a middle-aged white man. Oh, You are going to take the rap for everything that you do. That's right. Because you're white. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I get no lookovers. So once you check the reciprocity rules and if it's not in your favor, then you got to bring appropriate, uh, everyday carry EDC. So, you know, every, every person, male, female needs to think about in this day and age is one of the most important things is what, what is in your toolkit every day? So if you're a female, what's in your purse? If you're a male, I'm sorry, if, if you got to get a purse, 
a crossbody pack, a fanny pack. Uh, I don't care whether it's cool or whether it's not, whether it's a style or not. If it's functional, it works. I mean, for me, um, I carry a tactical sling pack. You know, when I, especially when I'm wearing gym clothes, because when you're, when you have a pretty heavy carry, it's going to basically drag your shorts down. It's kind of a pain in the ass to get out of sweatpants. My heavy carry drags my shorts down all the time. It drives me nuts. Oh, really? Then you got to get yourself a sling pack or something. You totally missed the dick joke. (laughs) Wow. Right over your head. You're so innocent sometimes. Paul's in the gutter right now. You literally were like, if you have a really heavy carry, it drags your shorts down. I'm like, is he really (laughs) teeing this up for me like this simple? And then I capitalized on it and you were like, well, then let me tell you. Let me tell you about this Merce. You need this Merce to carry your heavy carry. No, that's actually the reason that I downgrade, not downgraded, but that's the reason I went from a double stack 40 to a single stack nine was because of that reason. Like double stack is great, but, you know, 12 rounds of 40 cal are heavy. Yeah. adds a lot of girth. Yeah. I mean, that's why I went to a single stack. In case, but I just, I don't like carrying it. I, I like the feel and I like firing my, you know, my double stack. But, you know, I carry, you know, what I need. You got to have different shoes. You got to have different shoes for different dresses. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, the, the tactical carries are sling packs. As long as you can swing it around or you keep it in front of you, that basically you can access quickly, um, identify a situation and pull. Uh, that's awesome. But if you're in a area that you're not able to carry then have make sure you have a tactical flashlight with basically the spiked ends so because these tactical flashlights are talking i'd say 650 minimum to you know a thousand plus lumens basically what you can do is you can basically blind and a lot of these tactical flashlights allow you to have a concentrated beam or a spread beam so if you can basically blind an assailant or not a assailant, but a yeah, assailant or perpetrator. Uh, they'll buy you some time and then run. Um, you know, always bring a knife. Uh, most places, even like uh, Illinois, you can oh, bring. As I don't a- have an answer for that. Is there something else Ooh. I can help with? What a whore. Siri, quit jumping in, man. So anything three inches, three inch blade or less is, uh, is a decent carry. There's a lot of different ways you can. Um, I have a necklace uh, below a three inch. Uh, Basically, uh, it's a punch knife. Stick it, stick your finger through there. It becomes a knife knuckle. Um, or you can have a pocket knife. You know, whatever you're comfortable dealing with. Um, and then, you know, typically when you're in city, walking on the street, walk close to a building. Because, I mean, we had an accident here a couple of years ago that was just, it was, it was, it was awful. Somebody was walking down a walking trail on one of the side streets. Somebody was just speeding, whether they're on, on looking at a device or not. I don't know. They went out of control, went off the road. Basically, this is in the city and basically took out these uh, two gals. One died. One survived with a lot of complications. And But if you're looking in the city, do not walk. There's a lot of these people that like to walk on the edge of the sidewalk. And if a car comes uh, off the road, you're basically you're toast. So simple things like walking against traffic. Yep. Because you can see the cars that are coming your way. Like just simple things like that could, could be the difference between life and death. Yeah. And if you're checking your phone, gosh, man, the worst thing I saw when I was down in Chicago was everybody's on their freaking phone as they're walking. And I mean, it's just, it's a ripe target for a perp. And if you're checking your phone, just, you know what? Stop, 
put your back to a building, check your phone, and then when you're done, then move on and then keep walking. So I don't know if you saw that when you were down there too, but it was just, it was all over. Um, if you're out in public or what it's called a channelized area where you basically, there's no building to protect your one side, always make sure you're looking for the out. Okay. How soon can you get to that exit from that area? So, you know, that's, that's part of it. Then the next thing you got is hotel rooms, you know, and I know we're talking a lot about traveling, but we'll get to the, you know, your home pretty soon. But hotel rooms, you know, everything is a door. So make sure your doors are locked. Uh, there's always a hasp or deadbolt that basically allows the door to open. Basically, I think it's what, uh, six inches or yeah, less. Yeah, less or less usually. Usually it's the steel older ones that are like two inches. Yeah. And, and what I've learned and what I like to do is uh, um, these hotel rooms all have these commercial door openers, right? And those door openers, if you look up top, I know I don't have a visual here, but it looks like an arm. So basically when you open the door, that arm extends out. When you cl- It automatically closes the door kind of softly. doesn't sound like it in most hotel rooms. But um, I have a belt that I always carry when I travel. A, a 5'11 makes it. It's awesome because it's not a non-metal belt buckle. So I can just keep wearing it as I'm running through TSA. But any type of belt works. You basically wrap around that commercial arm. So basically, if somebody tries to open it, they can't open the door. So, you know, that's one way to protect yourself. Um, if you don't have a belt or if you just you want an, an alarm, here's a homemade alarm is every hotel room has coffee cups or glasses. Right. So make a little pile or a pyramid right next to the door um, when you're ready for bed. Don't do it when you're like prime traffic time or if you're going to take a nap, because what's going to happen is if they blast through that door the first time, it's going to hit the hasp. And it's going to knock that pile over. It's going to give you alert number one. And then that's going to tell you, okay, I better get my ass up before they bust through. But better have a plan if somebody gets through that door. So um, there's a lot of other things in rooms. But I think you can get a lot just by reading that book. Uh, I think there's some in the 100 Deadly Skills. Or you can probably Google a lot more creative, uh, you know, hotel uh, defense scenarios. Um, elevators, if you can avoid elevators, I'd probably do it. Uh, especially a female, if you're a female by yourself, take the stairway, um, because it's the worst position you get in an elevator, you're trapped in there with a perp. So if you get in an elevator and it's slow and some perp gets in and you're already stuck in there, make sure that you're by the emergency panel so that you can make the call. You can buzz in or get off a different floor. Um, if you're a woman by yourself, especially at night, uh, business travel, I see this a lot. You know, if you're a man, be cool and try to assist these women, whether they're in a parking lot or in a hotel by themselves. You know, first make sure that you don't seem like a perp yourself. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Like, can I help you with your bags, yeah, ma'am? Exactly. And all so, of a sudden you get maced. So be honest and upfront just saying, hey, you know what? Um, you know, this is where... <laughs> For me, it's easier to say, okay, this is my background and I just want to make sure you're safe. Here's our, here's your options is what I would say is here's your options. Take the stairway. If you want to take the elevator, you know, I'll take it with you. Um, but for women, if you're by yourself and you just don't have that situation, if you're on the elevator and there's another male that you suspect or creeps you out or just safe in general, get off on a different floor, like one floor above and one floor below, and then take the stairway to your floor. 
and make sure you're just not followed. So you, you can't be too safe nowadays. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's what I got. There's so much to hotel safety. Um, but not sure. Some of you guys probably aren't even traveling. So when you're at home, one of the biggest things is we have a lot of crime going through the city right now where if people have a vehicle outside, they're getting stolen. For some reason, there's a neighborhood here that if you have a, a truck that's sitting outside, there's a specific uh, group of, uh, I don't know if they're kids or adults, but they're basically coming out hooded and masked and trying to lift trucks. So um, don't leave your valuables in view. So whether you're parking in the city, whether you're parking in your driveway, it's not, don't leave stuff that will entice somebody to basically bust your window and go in. Because once they bust your window, go in nine times out of ten, you're going to have a garage door opener on it. And then they're going to access. And this happened to a friend of mine that left the window slightly open. And basically they got in or just stuck their hand through, boom, clicked the garage door, went inside and took a bunch of stuff and left. So don't leave valuables valuables in view don't leave windows open you know even if it's hot out just put one of those uh stupid things you put on the windshield the shade the wind the sunshade in the, the windshield yeah the sunshade go get a cute sunshade oh yeah it's like cat eyes yeah or otherwise just deal with the heat you know yeah just be a fucking man <laughs> just don't melt your dash uh you know and make sure uh your vehicle is armed you know put an alarm on it um and that rolls into home security. I mean, make sure you got cameras, you know, motion alarms, motion cameras, motion lights. Um, first thing you got to think about is deterrence. You know, make sure your house doesn't look like an inviting thing for guests or not for guests, for thieves to basically come and, uh, you know, stake you out. Um, don't leave your garage door open. So do you look at, do you look at cameras as a deterrent? Because... I feel like cameras are a weird thing, right? Oh, so I can see a masked guy come into my garage and take shit? Like, well, that does nothing for me. Oh, external cameras. I mean, I don't know what the... Right, like, I, but you you see it, you see just the having the cameras means it's a deterrent for the criminal. That's how, yeah, you, see, having that's the how you see outside. cameras. Yeah. Okay. It's just a deterrent because they know, okay, oh, you know, I'm being watched, I'm being filmed, that could be identified. Um, some criminals don't care. Um, one of the security items that I like that I got in my house is, uh, is the MyQ. So MyQ basically, I have them on all the garage doors. It tells me if somebody accesses the garage door. So whether it's mechanical or manual, if the garage door moves, it'll automatically send an alert to my phone. So, you know, like my, uh, my daughter was, uh, got home late, um, last weekend or weekend ago, a couple weekends ago. And it was like 1220. And all of a sudden, my phone goes, gives me that specific uh, alert saying, okay, the garage door went up. Oh, now it went down and tells me it closed. So simple stuff like that. So that even when you're gone, you can monitor that. Um, You know, I have blink cameras at my doors and in the back door. And those have been, those have been awesome. They're not expensive. They're not expensive. They tie into your Wi-Fi and you have a record of video. You don't have to have these. $2,000 $2,000 systems. You don't worry about Uncle Sam having access to all these fucking cameras that are wired into your Wi-Fi? I'm not doing anything that Uncle Sam oh, really Jesus, needs to monitor. That's what everybody about. says. I don't do it. They can watch. <laughs> I don't do anything. That doesn't even matter. I'm, I'm not that significant to Uncle Sam. Fuck. Even though, yes, I am a, a uniquely odd Asian dude. 
I just don't <laughs> like that. I just don't like the idea that there's all these cameras around my house that are Wi-Fi connected that can just be accessed by anybody. Right. But you got it. You're, you're mitigating your risk. So I just don't know that cameras are necessarily as much of a mitigation as people think they are. I think that cameras are a false secure, false sense of security. It's just it's it's a deterrent. It's just one step to versus having nothing. Right. So you do have a little bit of technology in there to make a criminal think, uh, I'm either going to jack this house or I'm going to go down a street where there's absolutely nothing. I have a better chance. But when everybody has a freaking garage or a ring doorbell or blink doorbell, it seems like that would just numb the criminals. Like, I don't give a fuck. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just have a weird I have a weird relationship with cameras because when our when our house, when our cars got gone through and all the neighbors got all their shit stolen, like I did. I went and bought a, a camera set and then I was like, what the fuck? Why? Like, all I'm going to be able to do is I'm going to be able to see a kid with a mask on try to get into my car and get into the neighbor's car. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, it's yeah. not going to help me in the moment. It's yeah. not going to keep me safe in the moment. Yeah. It's just you're you're getting rid of petty criminals. Petty criminals, the minute they see a small form of deterrent, you know, because so that's like why you keep your door locked, right? Like you could easily get through any into any house you right. want to. You, you could bust the glass yeah. and open the door, yeah. but the lock is a deterrent. Yeah. So if, if there's some high end criminal element that is after you, then you must be doing something that <laughs> that's getting their attention. So part of that is the the personal awareness. OK, what is the image that you are you're portraying. So if you are a high level dude, then you guess what? You need to have a gate. You need to have cameras on that gate and better hire some security. But at my level, I'm not. I'm probably like the, you know, snail trail going on. So, yeah, you're so innocent. So nobody wants what's in my house. I shouldn't say that because watch tonight. I'll probably get mugged. <laughs> so, so it'd be but, like the Matt Best video. Honey, there's somebody yeah. breaking in. We've been waiting for this moment all of our oh, lives. I love those. <laughs> love those. So, and then have a plan, you know, what's your escape route if somebody does get in the house? What's your escape route if there's a fire? What's your escape route for anything? Um, and my son and I have gone through, um, we practice clearing the house if somebody does come in. So that way, you know what? Somebody gets in the door, we know what to do. Somebody gets in the garage door, this is what's going to happen. It's kind of like being in a hotel room. It's great to have that pyramid of glass also go ding, 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 ding. But what are you going to do after that? It's the what, right? So, so, you know, have, have a plan, have a plan to get out. If you know how to defend your home, then have a plan right there. How are you going to clear that house? Where are your kids going to go? Are they going to go downstairs right away? What is your quickest access? Or are they going to all go out the window? I don't know. You, every house is different. So have a plan. Um, so ultimately you have to prepare yourself and there's a, there's a bumper sticker out there is a self-reliance, right? Save yourself. No one's going to save you. You know, because if you're going to wait for 911, this day and age, it's going to take a lot longer for them to get there. Everything's yeah, going to be done. What's the popular T-shirt I see now? Will Will self-rescue. I think yeah, that's, is, that, is that right? Something like that. Something to that effect. I see people wearing it like will self-rescue. Yeah. Like, don't don't fuck around and find out. Yeah. Don't wait for anybody else to come and save you. So, you know, that's where it comes down to. These are the questions, you know. Ask yourself honestly and then give yourself a what you're going to do to get to that point is what kind of shape are you in? Are you in shape to protect you and your family? Okay, go beyond the the mirror look and, you know, how fuckable you are. 
and go to, okay, are you going to look like a target? Are you physically in shape that, you know what, if you need to run and you need to carry a pack, that you're not going to fucking die a half block from the house and be completely useless. You know, it's like we talked about before. It's if you're 300 and some pounds and you're buying all this Gucci gear, that you're just basically a supply bag for me when shit hits the fan. Okay. That's what a lot of these guys, that's what a lot of these gear queers and these gun collectors don't understand. Like, yeah, you got a lot of stuff. You got thousands and thousands of rounds of ammo. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I'm like, because I'm, I'm the, I know exactly your... where I can go to fucking load up when I need to. <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to wait for your fat ass to be laying on the ground there, sucking air while I'm pulling the shit off your kit. So, yep. um, and then the second question is, do you have life-saving skills? It means it's really easy to just go anywhere in town to YMCA or somewhere and get some CPR training. And I tell you what, CPR right now, I mean, there's really no mouth to mouth, so you don't have to worry if there is, there's contraptions, but it's mainly understanding how to do compressions, what the importance of compressions are, how to do stop bleeds, and then what to carry in your med kit. So I always carry a med kit with me or either in my vehicles. So you need to understand how to have some basic medical skills just for your kids and your family. CPR is the craziest thing. Um, My dog died a few years ago. It's been I guess four years now and he was just running in the backyard and he basically had a heart attack and just fell over and my daughter's playing with him. It was awful. And he, that was like the family, like my family loved that fucking dog. He's the best dog I've ever had in my life. And my wife's like, I don't know. What do we, what do we do? What do we do? I'm like, well, hold on. So I give him, I gave him chest compression Yeah. and he got up and he started walking. No, it wasn't enough to save his life. We couldn't get him like, she then continued chest compressions while I tried to rush us to the emergency room. It wasn't yeah. enough. But the fact that just those chest compressions pumped enough blood through his body for him to like get up and walk away and try to go potty like a good boy. Like he walked off the deck yeah. to go potty because he knows like you go potty in the grass. Yeah. Um, just that aspect of, of, of seeing it work is just totally different than ever practicing it, ever learning it ever getting CPR certified, actually seeing an animal that is dead get oxygenated blood through their system and get up and walk. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. It's just literally you're massaging and pumping that heart to get that thing moving again. But in humans, it's so it's critical because you're buying time for basically, you know, EMS to show up and take care of that problem. It's same thing with bleeding, you know, uh, especially if somebody gets hit in a carotid artery or you know in, in the vitals it's it's stopping that bleed until you can get that next level care in so that's those are simple skills that you can learn on a weekend and then just keep that certification up for yourself and your family and that brings the next uh question is are you ready for most crisis events you know that's one of the basis is you know everybody thinks well i gotta have all this ammo and all this gear and all that shit no you gotta Make sure that you're able to medically take care of your family. So whether it's illness, whether it's wounds, whatnot, you have to be there to care for that. So, you know, and that goes back to, you know, number one is what kind of shape are you in? Are you in a good enough shape where you can, guess what? You're not sick all the time because a lot of people that are not in shape are sick a lot. So um, next one is, do you invite crime locally as a traveler? And it goes back to that self-awareness thing is don't give an appearance of an easy target. You know, be in shape. 
We're not telling you to be in shape to just look good and be fuckable, but we need you. That's to- all I'm telling you, because guess what? One is going to create the other. So <laughs> glad you tied that in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. You're welcome. So make yourself less vulnerable, uh, minimize risk for illness. We were talking about that. Ultimately, you have to ask yourself, you know, are you going to be a sheep? Are you going to be a wolf or a sheepdog? You know, because uh, it's really easy for sheepdogs to become wolves. But a lot of sheep are wolves and, you know, they're your dumbass uh, criminals. But um, but make yourself, you know, not a target. So, like I said, there's there's so much more you can unpack with this. Um, if you do get a chance, Clint Emerson's uh, Escape the Wolf is, is really good. Um, and then uh, the 100 Deadly Skills, sure. I don't know. That one's a fun one, really- right? Like, there's that, that one's just a pretty fun... Pretty fun it's read. Got funny pretty pictures, pretty yeah. fun it's page got pictures through. in it. Yep. Ton of pictures. <laughs> so I think I think that's we went way deeper than I expected to go. Um with the kind of vulnerable place that a majority of our country is in right now and the amount of prevalent crime and the lack of basically governmental control in a lot of these areas. I think that that's why we really wanted to get into doing this episode today because especially in big cities like it's a problem man like oh yeah i I know i saw a video the other day of literally downtown st louis and these guys are walking through town these gangbangers are walking through town with ak's literally just strapped on their back walking right downtown Oh yeah i saw that picture yeah it's crazy right through downtown st louis but if there's that's the thing is you can't have these laxed policies because if there's no repercussion guess what then you get lawlessness that's the which, exact description of it. Which might be the tinfoil hat goal, right? I guess so. But then, you know, is Bill Gates right about that there's going to be a civil war then? That rolls us into next week, into the falling of empires and the changing of new world orders. Yeah. That's, I don't know, it's scary because that, mean, that would mean that we're sitting right on top of it right now. So. All right. I think that's a wrap for today. 